I'm Sam Max, and I've got a pocket, got a pocket full of sunshine. I'm Ian McAllister, and I'm taking up a life of piracy. Ruthless has arrived, and it's really good. I'm Jimmy Adams, and I'm on the road to nowhere. So come on inside. And this is Brainwaves, bringing you the best in tabletop gaming news. Here are the headlines for the week beginning the 28th of October 2018. RPG writer and founding member of Chaosium, Greg Stafford, has sadly died. Dized goes back to crowdfunding, and then doesn't. And Games Workshop sees stocks rise and rise. All this and more. Yes, we're starting with a sad piece of news at the top of Brainwaves today. Uh, announcement earlier in the month that Greg Stafford, one of the founding members of Chaosium, writer of RuneQuest, and one of my own personal favourite RPGs, Pendragon, had sadly passed away. He was a hugely influential figure in the RPG industry. Uh, I've had a huge amount of fun playing Pendragon, and I know a lot of friends who have are real fans of uh, RuneQuest and various other bits of his output. I'm sure his influence will live on within the RPG community. He was an incredibly influential writer and designer, and a lot of his design work, um, especially Pendragon for me, was a fantastic product and probably one of the first indie RPGs with the way it approached sort of traits and passions and that kind of thing in the game. You guys ever play any of his stuff? Is Pendragon the Arthurian legend game where yeah. you end up playing generations of your own family? Yeah, it's absolutely fantastic. I'm playing through the Great Pendragon campaign just now. It's a little bit on hiatus at the moment, but we're going to come back to it. I've got no experience, sadly, with any of his products, but um, just seeing his his body of work is astounding. Nor do I, but Pendragon's something that's always seemed kind of... I suppose, even from the name, it's always seemed kind of friendly and cool and, and nice, to be honest. And yeah, no, it sounds oh, like I, sh- I should run a game of Pendragon for you guys sometime. I think you'd really like it. Oh, it'd be great. So how many games are you running for us now, Ian? <laughs> Yeah, but way, way too many. Anyway, we our, our condolences to Greg's family and all the members of staff at Chaosium. Uh, the thoughts of our families are with yours at this difficult time. Dized has gone back to crowdfunding. After running a successful Indiegogo campaign raising $150,000 last year, Dized have now gone back to Kickstarter, looking for money for their creator content tools to make more money for the app. Dized, if you don't know, is an app that's dedicated to teaching people how to play board games in a friendly and interactive way using custom-made video content that talks you through opening the box to have getting your first game played um, through in-theme videos. Um, we've all had a go on it, we've all looked at it, and we've even done a Dized Brainwaves episode that you can now find on the podcast feed. However, as soon as they went back to Kickstarter, A few days later, they cancelled their current Kickstarter. A statement from the company on the Kickstarter campaign page says, The two main reasons for the cancellation are the questions, confusions and misinformation considering Dized and its crowdfunding efforts. A delay in publishing more content into the app. We didn't think it was a good idea to continue this campaign before we fix these issues first. Now that comes from... Dized as a company on their Kickstarter page, really responding to a lot of backlash that they were getting from probably original Indiegogo campaign backers, really. There was a lot of confusion around what they were going back to Kickstarter for. We th- we feel a lot of that confusion is answered by Dized themselves in our special episode of Brainwaves that we put out last week. Go and check that out. We think it goes a long way in explaining a lot of those problems that people are really asking them about. Don't you guys? 
Yeah, I think so. And they are still planning to come back to Kickstarter in November. So uh, hopefully we'll see them come back stronger. They'll answer the questions of uh, those who are questioning exactly why they're going back to Kickstarter. And yet we'll hopefully see them come back stronger and really hit those goals. Because we we all think that Dice is a pretty decent product and uh, will hopefully be around for a long time to come. He's hoping. It's definitely a very interesting product and probably a step forward in the hobby itself. Over the past two years, Games Workshop has seen its share prices rise by 660%. It is the most successful firm in the FTSE 250 share index, which is fantastic news for the Nottingham-based company. Recently, however, Games Workshop posted a trading update warning of uncertainties in the trading periods ahead. It was a 70-word announcement. However, the board remains aware there are some uncertainties in the trading periods ahead for the rest of the 2018-19 financial year. A further update will be given as appropriate. Which most people are seeing through as Brexit is going to happen very soon. Yeah, it doesn't specifically mention it in the post, does it? But it's very clear, you know, that all of their product is made in the UK, shipping internationally. And I think there's just a lot of uncertainty in the UK at the moment. Yeah, that, um, that's about to get a lot, lot harder. Surrounding exports, it's, you know. It's, who knows it's what's going to happen? It's quite noticeable to see the changes because uh, in 2015, there was a new... There was a change of management at Games Workshop. Uh, it's simplified. It's Warhammer series. A lot of games that were classed as specialist games have now been re-released, including Blood Bowl and Necromunda. And through through this, the company, uh, in the 12 months up to June 2018, the company reported a net profit of £60 million, up from £13 million two years earlier. That's quite an impressive leap. This is a, it's a fantastic leap. Um, however, it is worth not- noting that about three quarters of Games Workshop sales are overseas, which have obviously benefited from a, the, the financial fluctuations since the vote for Brexit um, in June 2016. That has, however, been bumped up with shipping costs for certain people or for certain countries. But despite this, the company is still growing strong. They've just opened their 500th store and doesn't look like they've got any signs of slowing down soon. It's coming, guys. It's coming. Keyforge. Woo. We haven't got long now. November, mid-November, I think it's the 17th of November, is the worldwide release. I could be a few days out there, but it's mid-November. Um, pre-release across, well, across the UK, but across the world, really, across the US, across the UK, I'm sure across lots of Europe as well. Yeah, there's been a couple of big sort of pre-pre-release events already. There's been one in London not too long ago, and there's been a couple of uh, in other places as well. We've spoken about this before. Me and Ian... We're looking forward to it. Jamie, I think you just want to maybe dip your toes in and see what it's like. I'll dip my toes in. I might buy I might buy a deck, just one deck, see how it goes. And you know what? If it turns out to be a bad deck, that's just the way things go. It's blind draws. Problem is, if I buy a bad deck and I have a bad experience, that's going to soil my view of the game. But, you know, we'll see what happens. I'm, I'm, I'm open-minded for a deck builder for once, but it's not a deck builder, so... I'm sure come November, all you Patreon subscribers out there will be hearing us talk about that on our sister show for our Patreons, where the three of us just talk about the games we're playing. I'm I'm looking forward to it. We've played a few games now over Tabletop Simulator and things like that, and I've liked what I've seen. I've only played about three or four different decks. 
But I like a lot of the synergies that are there in what the game does and what the game aims to be. Be interesting to see how it's received and how like uh, the OP supports the organized play, which I fancy if I have released a lot of details on the different types of organized play they're going to have, and a lot of their plans seem really interesting from bringing your own sort of deck that you really really like, right down to just turning up, paying some money to the event organizer, and just opening the deck there, playing that for the day. Yeah, seems like a really good way to do things. I have to say their their update about the you know bringing the deck that you like and scanning it that kind of put my mind at ease a bit more. Because obviously Keyforge's idea of trying to just eliminate meta in play, it's a really good preventative method. I'm also I'm a huge I'm I'm a huge fan of turning up to a tournament and being given a random deck. You know, everyone's going in on the same chances initially. You know, you're just all buying a random deck. You haven't had time before that to play it and see what it can do. Everyone's on that same same field. Talking about games that involve lots and lots of gambling, well, you can come back to Vegas as Zedman Games has picked up Lords of Vegas and the expansion up. They will be selling off the remainder of Mayfair Games stock, and they have also announced that they will be putting out the long-awaited Underworlds expansion. I first heard about it on uh, Shop and Sit Down's podcast. They had got to play it at one of the big American cons, and it introduces sort of hidden roles and cards and things like that into the game to mess up with the game's mechanics and that kind of thing. Lords of Vegas is a firm favourite of mine. I think a favorite of yours as well sam oh big favorite i think it's, it's one of the things that when we're stuck for things to play laws of vegas won't let us down yeah absolutely i, I think it's a great gateway game as well because it's so dynamic and there's so that those dice rolls that come down to the wire and just just a really fantastic game if you don't know it, folks it's a game of sort of building vegas up before it was vegas so like you start out with car lots and things like that and you build fabulous casinos and try and uh, be the best uh, casino owner you can be. I think coming into board games from a point where you've played a lot of Monopoly and you just want to see what's out there, and what you like is kind of having a hand of money, stealing money from other players, I think it's got a good kind of crossover there, really. I'm not I'm not saying it is Monopoly, and I'm not comparing it to Monopoly, but I think coming from Monopoly and just having that kind of... I like having a big wad of cash in my hand and being able to steal that from other people. It's a It's a good one. Yeah, it's got lovely paper money that I really, really like. Some people have swapped out that paper money for chips and that kind of thing, but I really like the feel of the paper money. I think it's really good. Would would you swap out that paper money for real money? Yeah. Well, if you're going to give me real money for all the paper money in my game, Sam, you know, just I'll just go and count out right now, shall I? You try paying for a couple of drinks with your paper money, see how far you go. (laughs) Indeed. Yeah, so yeah, really looking forward to that, and yeah, looking forward to Underworld coming out later in the year. Talking of shiny new things... There's been a new cycle announced for the Arkham Horror LCG, which again, going from firm favourite to firm favourite here for me and Ian. Arkham Horror LCG, can't go wrong. I'll have a sit in the corner. This time we're focusing on the Silver Twilight Lodge, which is a story, do we call it a storyline? Which is Uh, a story point first introduced in Fantasy Flight's Arkham Horror, the board game. And we're also introducing fan favourite, the redeemed cultist Diana Stanley, to our pool of investigators. She'll be entering the game as a... She's a, she's entering the game as a mystic with a really interesting negation-based mechanic. So some of the cards in the game allow you to negate some of the bad stuff that's come, coming and negating counter cards out of the deck. And she can manipulate those kind of cards in a really interesting way. 
Also, what sounds quite interesting, something lead designer Matt Newman always likes to do, is give you some interesting scenarios to deal with. And this time we get a prelude to the entire campaign, which is a cycle where each player will take on the role of a neutral investigator, someone who doesn't have a, a class. They're neutral characters, and this is the only scenario that you will actually be able to play those investigators. You'll play them in an ill-fated event that leads you into the rest of the cycle. Sounds really interesting. Where that goes, we can only tell. Yeah, it sounds really interesting that because they've got like a fixed hand and no deck, so you just have a very low amount of resources to get through this prelude scenario. So I'm really looking forward to how that's going to play out. Hmm. Speaking of the paranormal, Fog of Love has just announced that their new expansions are going to be going up for sale at Essenspiel, which is taking place in, funnily enough, Essen in the next week or two. The three new expansions, which include Trouble with the In-Laws and Paranormal Romance, will be available. Uh, and as well as that, Fogger Love has been working with designer Nikki Valens, who worked on Eldritch Horror, to improve their LGBTQ representation in the game. And she has designed uh, a new expansion that focuses on queer relationships. And that will be prototyped at Essen as well. Uh, alongside this, Fog of Love has announced they'll be releasing some variant covers, as it were, for their game. The base gay, the base cover is a man and a woman, but there will be copies that feature a man and a man, and a woman and a woman. I, I like the variant covers thing, but I was sort of under the impression that Fog of Love was like quite accepting of LGBT relationships. Like you could interpret a lot of the cards in various different ways. So I, I don't know if does it really need a specific expansion. There are only a few cards that say if your characters are male and male, or or female female, oh, then right, you can't right, use okay. it. Uh, I've only played the game once, so yeah. Ah uh, no, uh, I don't know if it's a spoiler, but the game comes with some foil packs you can release, uh, you can unwrap once they ha- once you've played a couple of games. Fog of Love and Legacy. They bring things like se- it's a little bit of legacy, <laughs> and they contain cards like. Uh, you're gonna have a baby yeah and then there's like unplanned pregnancies and things like that that i think if you're a man and a man you can't have an unplanned pregnancy and stuff like that no it doesn't but i think these expansions just want to put more of that into into the game i I suppose and that's always welcome yeah it's fantastic more fog of love love no matter what it is i'm up i'm up fog of love is a firm favorite here at brainwaves i i I need to play some more i've only played it i've I've only played it once with sam and we had an interesting relationship In a small bit of RPG news, Evil Hat have recently announced that it's going to have to scale back its ambitions. Uh, Evil Hat are the publishers of the Fate um, system, alongside a variety of other card games, board games, and role-playing games. Um, uh, The full update is on the site if you want to read about exactly why they're scaling back, but basically they've had a look at their books recently, and uh, they haven't hit a wall yet, but basically you can see a wall coming. Um, And they've decided to scale back some of their ambitions, concentrate on exactly what is core to their business what they can uh, really do what they know is going to really give them revenue uh, which is going to be constrained on their rpg output mainly so they're scaling back some of their sort of like digital ambitions um card games and that kind of thing as well there's a list on their site of what they're still supporting which thankfully includes some of the blades um expansions that are coming down the line so there's band of blades will be out next year and a bunch of their fate stuff if you want to throw them a bit of extra money they do have a patreon for their fate stuff uh, where you can get a, access to a huge amount of uh, the Fate Worlds uh, books uh, for very little money a month. Uh, so that's worth doing if you like that kind of thing. Speaking of books, we've recently had an award show, haven't we? 
Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to this, the Brainwaves Bookshelf Bibliophile Awards. We have three contestants here vying for the title of Ex Libris. They have been diligently collecting books and stocking their shelves as best they can. The judges will be scoring them on having their books correctly alphabetized, on sturdy shelves, and have no banned tomes. We now go over to the floor where the first contestant is about to present. Ladies and gentlemen, and Jamie, check hey. out my books. Wait, 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 wait a second. We got B A, B E, B L, B I, B B, C D, A, J. Look, you look, haven't look. fired these a bit correctly at look, all. The interns did the best they could. I don't really put those books there. I couldn't shift them all around along and just put new ones in. So I just slotted them in next to them. Is that is that not right? I mean, it's close no, enough, right? Ian, you know it's not all right. Come on, mate. Why didn't you go to see the shelf masons? Shelf Mason's Guild was open this afternoon. You could have popped down there, and you could have got it all sorted. That's what I did. They were open? Yep. Well, yeah. Sign is really tiny writing on it. I couldn't really tell. Well, that's not my fault. Okay, look, I've removed the books. Is that better? You're happy now. But, but look, there's a, there's, a, there's a little space You're there. You're never happy. Jim, so? just, just leave it. It's structurally sound. He's got a lot of nice books. Yeah. Uh, yes, whatever. It's not my points. So, not a bad score for Ian there. We move on to the next contestant. Here are my shelves. Hang on a second. Now, wait. Look, I mean, look, I mean, I can, I can literally put my hand through the middle of your bookcase. You've got a great big hole in the middle. I ran out of wood to patch it, and there were no books that fit that space anyway. So plenty of books to fit space. A likely story. You spent plenty all your time sending your workers to that gambling den to bet for books, didn't you? Gambling like den, story. and if I did, and even if I did or didn't, my lads say they saw your lads down there as well. We were all well, they were for books. meant to be going to the auction house, but a lot of gambling wouldn't help hurt, I guess. Oh, well, I must have sent or told my boys to go down to the auction house as well maybe the signing was a bit small it's possible yes but but i'm going for a modern look in my bookshelf you know it's it's, it's modern, modern it's chic look. it's it's all in order and everything look lots of nice books no higher than three shelves tall so look even sam can get to the top shelf see i'm just not sure i want a bookcase where i can see through the middle well are you expecting Art. like a dragon to fly through it or, or something okay okay mr smarty Man, Sam type person. It's art, okay? You show us all your hard-earned books and your lovely, lovely shelves. I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Only when the man tells me so. Ooh, ooh, ah, ah, yes. um, Controversial shelving choice there from Jamie. Let's see what Sam brings to the proceedings. Check out my books. Uh, Jamie? Yes, Ian? Weren't we explicitly told not to have monster manuals on our shelves? Oh, uh, vehemently so. Whoa, 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 whoa. That is a so, lot of monster manuals, Sam. Might be a lot of monster manuals. But I've got spell books. Sam's special spell books. Everyone knows I've got the best spell books in the city. Stop saying spell books. I mean, we know about your spell books, but you are losing points of plenty here, mate. Yeah, mitigated by my beautiful shelves, my correct alphabetizing, Ian. And of course, my splendid spellbooks. Right, that's it. You come here. And we're going to have to leave it there for now as the floor descends into a punch-up. The judges are ready to announce their winner. The winner, the Ex Libris, is... 
So um, last time on Brainwaves, we chatted a little bit about our Patreon and the changes we've made to that. The first extended cast is now out. So episode 15, there is an extended version of that cast out for our patrons. And you can get that from as little as $1 a month. Uh, For $2 a month, you'll also get access to our new cast, which we're tentatively going to be calling Idle Thoughts, which will just the three of us chatting about the games we've played that month, what we've thought of them, that kind of thing. There's already many reviews. Um, And yeah, if you can throw us a buck or two, we really, really appreciate that. We are now nine dollars away from our first goal of twenty dollars a month and that will basically pay for the podbean hosting and wordpress hosting so basically the site will be a little bit more self-sufficient if you can help us out we would really really appreciate it thank you very much oh this is a comfy brainstorm chair thanks ian uh i'm in charge this week yeah so with essen just around the corner there is going to be thousands of new board games coming out. Literally. We'll be buried in them. And our question for Brainstorm this week comes from Richard Vernon from our Facebook page. Does the cult of the new mean that games with low replay value can be very successful? Cult of the new is in somewhat pejorative title pertaining to people who pretty much only chase the newest games releases. Gentlemen, what do we think? I think... Yes, to 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 yes, somewhat in, in in sense that I think it is that shiny new things, getting excited about something that maybe has just come out that hasn't been a ton of reviews for. Maybe it looks great, it looks right up your street, so you get it, and then you find out hey, it's fun, but there's not much else I can do with this, or there's not many places this can go. I think the problem I, I think that problem is exasperated with Kickstarter as well, because not only do you have the cult of the new board games that you can buy right now, but you've got the cult of the new of the board games you might have from about a year from now. So you've got that constant sort of feed of like, there's a new thing, there's a new thing, yeah. there's a new thing. Is it better than the thing I have? Totally. You, you've got that that constant feed of, of sort of new stuff coming in. Yeah, so yeah, I think I think there's sort of a secondary problem there. Because yeah, we have loads of games coming out every week, but we also have that sort of that Kickstarter thing constantly of like do you want this one? What about this one? What about this one? Yeah, and I think with the rate that games are now coming out, you know, it's such a huge hobby now. It's so huge. And I definitely say, even if it isn't just games with a low replay value, I think it's just that so much is coming out that actually how much of those things that you've bought in the past or something I buy this month am I going to be playing in January? No matter if it's got that replay value or not, that actually just overwhelming amount of content coming out. Well, as an example, look at current industry trends. I mean, we have legacy mechanics, which, you know, first gauge prominence in, risk legacy, and mm-hmm. we've now got the announcement. We've had, we've just had the release of Ultimate Werewolf Legacy. And we've got Machikoro Legacy coming out we've soon. Got Betrayal, we've got Betrayal at House on the Hill Legacy and Machikoro Legacy announced at Gen Con. And... The argument can be made that, yes, they have replay value in that you have to play X amount of games for you to complete it. But after that, theoretically, there's, especially with uh, Pandemic, there's no real point in you playing it again because you possibly have released or unlocked everything anyway. Yeah. It's always been one thing that sort of puzzled me. Like we, a lot of people hold replay value very, very high in their estimation of a game. And I, what I've been trying to do over the last little while is like sort of 
power my collection down a bit to only the games I actually get to play every now and again. And the actual sort of like replay value of that is not necessarily important to me. It's if just if I enjoy playing them. That's fine. They don't need to necessarily be different every time. I think game, games like sort of like Agricola and things like that get really high rating in in Board Game Geek because they have such replay value, they have such a variety in their setup, and that seems to be something that's really highly regarded on a site like Board Game Geek. Um, I think like just because a game's got low, low replay value doesn't necessarily mean it's not fun to play again and again. No, yeah. I think I think what's possible we may be conflating here is low replay value with maybe not being a great deal of fun. Yeah, that's fair. Let's bring it back around to part of the question that Richard asks, which is, does it mean that games with low replay value can be very successful? So does that mean, you know, with with S and just around the corner and things like that, um, are games that actually you're not going to play much, are they going to be more successful these days? I mean, uh, like, I guess financially successful, probably. If, if the marketing's right and people just, like, get really hyped about them, yeah. back the Kickstarter do the pre-order, whatever, buy them, play them for a bit, and then move them on. I think it is the usual if marketing is done, you know, properly. Example, a game with low replay value, you could theoretically say that Twilight Imperium is a game with lower lower replay value than others, just simply because playing one full game, depending on how many people you play (laughs) with, can play up to, or can take up to, what, six to ten hours, I believe is told? Yeah, yeah, so yeah, I, I see what you mean there. I, I think that's not what most people mean by replay value. And no. they think of Twilight Imperium as a, as a game of high <laughs> replay value. But I, I get, I totally get your point. It's it's like the, the amount of time you actually can commit to replaying them. It's yeah. how it's how woolly and how nebulous a lot of these terms are in themselves. When we say low pre, when we say low pre replay value, you know, we can be talking about games like Unlock or Exit the Game. These kind or uh, legacy games where you know, you've got to play through them once. And, yeah. and that's them. You, you really you can play them again, but they're not. They might not be as fun because you've not experienced you experienced everything again. Or yeah. do we talk about the games like Twilight Imperium, which have these massive, huge, sweeping arcs of stories that you'll make over a weekend possibly, but you might not play that again for another six months. Hmm. One of the key things in this argument is that idea of the cult of the new, of just what's the hottest right now, what are people talking about, what are people playing, and other people just wanting to, you know, essentially jump on the bandwagon, you know. Go back to Gen Con, one of the board game hotnesses of Gen Con was Root. Is that going to be as big and talked about when we come around to Essen in a few weeks? Probably not. Everyone's going to be moving on to something else. And, you know, that's only been three months. I think like Root is Root has definitely been financially successful. I would imagine for the company, it certainly seems to have sold a lot. Will it come? To, and it seems to also have been critically successful. I think I think that's the other half to this is like, can these board games with low replay value retain sort of mm. critical success on a longer period of time? Like, are, are, do we look back on them with fondness or just kind of like, eh, that was a fun thing? That and we I played. think that comes back to what you were saying about you don't mind if a game doesn't have high replayability as long as it's a good game. And and hopefully, you know, us essentially being critics here and talking about games, hopefully objectively, a lot of the time subjectively, I'm not going to say we're not, <laughs> um, that actually, if a game is only playable once, but it's the best game we feel that's ever been made, it's still a good game. Gloomhaven. Yeah, yeah Gloomhaven's a good example. Like, I will probably play through Gloomhaven once, but that is like is, is that also is, is, is that also because games with low replay value in that you are so overwhelmed with every single one of your 
I can never remember how many scenarios, but I know it's a lot. Anyway. Yeah, it's a lot. But yeah, so many scenarios. And then you go, do you play that again? No. Is it fatigue? Is it I've experienced everything it needs to experience uh, and I'm okay with not doing that again? I mean, like, if if some, if one of my friends invited me to play a campaign of Gloomhaven with them, I probably would. Yeah. Like, if, if I had the time. But yeah, having the time as well is, is, is a big thing. So yeah, I, I think, like, like yeah, so the cult of the new does mean that like games pass through our hands a lot quicker these days because it's just like Sam said earlier, there is so much content now. It's like something like three thousand games out a year. It's ridiculous amounts of content are out now. But I think those games are successful in and of themselves, and that's fine. Yeah. It's okay that they're successful. Yeah. Yes. Um, whether they have a sort of longer tail and are uh, critically successful is another matter altogether, and whether they're criti- critically critically successful. Well, I don't even know how to gauge that really. Like, I suppose you could use the BGG ratings, yeah, but maybe, should yeah. you? Yeah, that's a whole that's a whole other brainstorm altogether. Do we feel that the cult of the new means that games with low replay value can be very successful? Yes, frankly, because I think people are attracted to what other people are playing, what's new and shiny right now. Um, and as we were saying, does replay value really need to be such a big part of? what you feel you want from that experience. If you're getting a good experience and you feel that actually you've got your money's worth from enjoyability alone, surely that's a good investment for you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what makes replay value is very individual down to the, down to the person. It's not, there's not like a, a hard and fast definition of what that means to someone. So yeah, if you enjoy playing that game over and over again, yeah. then it has re- good replay value for and, you. And, and Cult of the New is a very small percentage of a very specific type of lifestyle who can get their hands on the newest things every single time not say no no one is saying you absolutely have to no one is saying that yeah yeah yeah. keep in mind that board gaming is is fairly much a luxury hobby and that yeah you can you can have a, a steady collection that doesn't have loads of new games in it every year and still have a really good time with board games Well, a couple of pieces of news just before we go. Uh, a little bit of sad news. We've learned today that Paul Dean is leaving Shut and Sit Down. And we at uh, Brainwaves wish him all the best on his further journeys. He's off to do uh, writing mainly. Uh, he has hinted maybe at sort of games uh, writing, maybe video games writing and that kind of thing. And yeah, um, I, I've been a big fan of Paul Dean's writing for a long time. I, I think he's probably the best writer out of the, out of the Shut and Sit Down crew. Uh, and we wish him all the best. Yeah, he's he's... He was an integral part of it from the very beginning. And even when he moved to Canada, seeing his reviews by himself, some wonderful stuff. The, 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 the Azul review especially, you should check out. Uh, yeah, wish him nothing but the best. And uh, last little bit of news, the Giant Brain is going on tour. Uh, all three of us will be at Glasgow Games Festival on November the 17th. Um, so come and say hi. Come and have a game of Keyforge. Yeah, come us. play games with us. We'll probably have some Keyforge decks by then, no doubt. And I'll be bringing along some stuff. It'll be at the Glasgow Royal Concert Hall. Yeah, it, it goes on till 11pm. Um, yeah, just send us a tweet and see where we are that day and we'll... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, come, come and say hi. Come and play some games with us. We'd love to meet you. So I am going to be soloing it down to Dragomite uh, again this year. So I will be there on the 1st of December. And yeah, if you see me around, I'll be in the usual livery. Come on, say hi, show me the cool games. And I'll be looking out for all the cool board games that are there. Uh, and meeting up with a few friends of the show. Uh, hopefully recording a couple of podcasts while I'm there. So looking forward to that. So if you see, see me, come and say hi. Thank you very much for listening. 
I'd like to give a little shout out to our latest Patreon backer, Lee Williams. Hello, Lee. Thank you very much. The extended cast will be winging its way to you. And you who is not Lee Williams could be listening to the extended cast as well, if you'd like to support our Patreon. All the links that we've mentioned tonight will be in our show notes. If you like what you listen to, then the best way to help us out is to share the podcast and drop us a review and rating on iTunes. Or you can follow us on Twitter, at The Giant Brain, on Instagram, Giant Brain UK, on Facebook, The Giant Brain, our website, giantbrain.co.uk, or drop us an email at giantbrainuk at gmail.com. Look after yourselves. <laughs>